Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. The crossroads where culture, lifestyle, and community meet. All hosted by the legendary New York radio TV personality and proud Harlem American, G. Keith Alexander. Ah, thank you so very, very much. Uh, welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. Wherever you are, I appreciate you for joining our neighborhood as we hang out together in Harlem, America. Now today in the What's Hot Spotlight is Ernie Hudson, one of the most sought after actors of our time with an impressive list of credits and awards whose body of work includes Ghostbusters and the family business. He's a beloved star in film, television, and stage, long considered to be one of Hollywood's iconic working actors who continually delivers. So it is my distinct honor and pleasure to say that Ernie Hudson is what's hot. How you doing there, Ernie? I'm good. I'm good. It's, um, it's really a pleasure to, uh, to be able to be here with you and, you know, have a conversation. So, uh, yeah, life is, life is good. Well, I want you to know that uh, I have been a big fan ever since you came on my radar with the film Congo. Uh, <laughs> that that movie uh, really left uh, an impression on me. And uh, I want you to know that I'm really honored that you were able to take the time to come and talk with me and have our listeners and uh, our viewers uh, check you out and see what Ernie Hudson has been about all these years. <laughs> well, thank you. Congo is one of uh, one of the really fun movies that uh, I've been able to do over the years, and uh, yeah, it's, it's so I'm glad you really liked it. Yeah, uh, just one question before we dig into the the to more. Uh, was it really done in in Africa, or, or or where was it filmed? Mostly in Costa Rica. We we shot. Um, Half of it in Costa Rica, which was amazing. You know, the jungles there, or the uh, the forest is, is preserved, and it's it's um, it's really beautiful. We did some exterior shots in Africa, um, and um, and we shot half of it at the studio in Los Angeles. But, uh, but all the exterior stuff mostly was uh, Costa Rica. Gotcha, gotcha. So as I uh, talk with my guess i always take them back and i ask them to join me on the wayback machine so let's take the wayback machine to your early life and tell us a little bit about little young ernest uh, uh ernest lee i think it is ernest lee yeah, yeah lee. tell us a little bit about ernest lee well you know i was born in benton harbor michigan which is directly across lake michigan from chicago a uh, mm -hmm. small town one of the uh poorest towns in america um I grew up, uh, my mom died when I was three months old from tuberculosis. Um, I never knew my father. She got pregnant away from her family. And when she became ill, she came up north to be with her family. And then she died three months after I was born. So I never knew my dad. And uh, my grandmother raised me in Church of God in Christ, uh, where I uh, spent most of my childhood. People say, well, you were born in the hood. I go, well, I was sort of <laughs> in the church and school. That was about it for me. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I just, um, I feel I had a charmed life, uh, even though we had no money to speak of. So my childhood was, um, you know, growing up at Benton Harbor, you know, going to school. 
but I say that to say I, I really feel I had a charmed uh, childhood in the sense that um, uh, even though I didn't have my mom or dad, I had um, my aunts and my uncles who were uh, in a strong church community. And there was never a time, there has never been a time in my life when I didn't feel without a doubt that uh, I was loved. I, I, it was no question in my mind that my grandmother would have um, given her life to protect me. Uh, I always knew that, um, yeah, that I, I was loved. And um, that's, um, I, I, I was, you know, I hear stories of people um, talk about drugs and alcohol and abuse. I, I never experienced that. And um, I'm just very, very. I don't know. You know, my grandmother would say that, uh, yea, though I walk through the valley in the shadow of death, I fear no evil. She would say, well, we have to walk through it, but uh, but don't take a residence. Don't waste a lot of time. <laughs> Just get through it. And I feel in my life, I've sort of walked through some probably difficult places and was just totally unaware. Um, and I've always felt just loved and protected. Um, my grandmother, uh, my wife, we've been together 46 years. Um, I just feel that, uh, yeah, I, I feel I, I've had a charmed life and I've never, um, you know, I, I, I got asked uh, a few years ago to speak a couple times at the National Prison uh, Wardens Conference because they did a series called Oz and I was a warden. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, right. But uh, I would Big say, I, you know, yeah, and I don't know. Uh, I've never been to prison. I've never been to jail. Mm -hmm. uh, but, um, you know, I I can give you my impressions. But I said all that to say, yeah, I um, I grew up, went to high school. Um, you know, we picked fruit in the, in the summer, worked on the farms. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I got married very early. Uh, naively and uh, had a couple of kids, but uh, still managed to go to college and um, got in, uh, involved with theater. Uh, spent a year at Yale. And, uh, really? Yeah, I was at Yale School of Drama. Sigourney Weaver and um, uh, uh, Merle Street was there at the same time I was back in the early 70s. So, uh, so when you did Ghostbusters with the uh, with uh, Sigourney Sigourney. Weaver, uh, yeah. did you, you guys remember each other from back then? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I remember her. She pretended to remember me. I don't know if she did. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, because I only stayed the first year. You know, it's a mm -hmm. three year program, and I uh, when I spent that first year, my marriage uh, at that time. My ex-wife, um, she, she was in the uh, ninth grade when we got married, mm -hmm. um, and uh, she eventually finished high school and went on to get her PhD. And I always say this, the smarter she got, the dumber I became in her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time I got to Yale, she was done with me. I didn't know it. but uh, So the marriage ended and I ended up with the kids. So mm -hmm. I had to, I came out to Hollywood uh, to, to find work. And I had my boys, I have two sons from that marriage, uh, four sons now, but, uh, and started working. Um, but I've sort of threw a lot of things in there together, but, uh, I've been, um, I've been, I think about 
when I first came to LA and I would hear all the stories about Hollywood weirdness and I would have friends who would come up to me at a party and say, uh, Ernie, um, you might want to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go, really? Why? They said, no, don't just, you might want to leave. And I would always go, okay. And I would leave, you know? Really? So there were a lot of things happening that, uh, I just, I missed and thankfully, uh, but being a, a single dad and having the responsibility of kids, um, that, um, you know, was the biggest influence, I think, um, determined to work to set an example for them of what's possible in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. So anyway, uh, well, well, you, you skipped over the fact that, uh, y- you and I both, uh, we've, uh, had the opportunity to serve in the United States Marine Corps. Yes. Yes. I, um, well, I, you know, I, 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 I say thank you when people say that, but I, I'm kind of, I kind of blush a little bit because, uh, I joined the Marine Corps, uh, when I was in my last year of high school. In fact, I was so eager to join. I joined in April, um, three months before I was to graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really looking forward to going to the Marine Corps. Uh, when I finished high school, um, I went over to Chicago, flew out to, um, um, San Diego to start my right. training and, uh, and stand, on the yellow, stand on the yellow, stand on the yellow. Oh my God. It was, it was, yeah, it was, man, I thought I was in a bad dream and I couldn't wake <laughs> up. From. <laughs> it was, but, uh, after nine weeks, and this is where I kind of get a little embarrassed because, mm-hmm. um, I had asthma. And, uh, my asthma started, you know, kick up and, uh, I ended up being discharged after about 10 weeks, Mm -hmm. um, honorary discharge. And I found myself back home in the projects at my grandmother's house. Mm -hmm. Um, but so that was the extent of my military service. Um, and so instead of going to the military, I ended up going to college. Mm -hmm. But, um, so when people, yes, I, I, I was in the Marines and, and very proud of that, but I never really, uh, the, the entire platoon, uh, ended up going to Vietnam. A lot of friends, like the guy went in, uh, we signed up together. Um, he just passed recently, but he was, uh, had severely wounded in Vietnam. So I miss that. Well, you know, I did as well. If the truth be told, I, uh, had orders to go to, uh, Vietnam. And when we got to Okinawa, which was uh, the land, the, the the last staging point before going to Vietnam? My computer card overread my orders, and my computer card said I was going to stay on Okinawa and be in charge of the Marine Armory. So for wow. a, so I was in charge of the Armory for a year, but my platoon, as you said, my platoon when when the orders came, they went over to Vietnam the next day, and a lot of my wow. platoon got killed. Uh, during that time, so God spared both of us. Thank God. Yes, yes, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. but uh, so now, what, what, what year were you? Did you go? It's um, we're I, I, I went in in nineteen sixty-five, June of sixty-five. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I went in uh, the year before sixty-four. So sixty-four. Yeah. So it was yeah. right there that Vietnam era. That all that was right there. Yeah. 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 So uh, all right. So now, when did you get the the acting bug? Well, you know, I, I, I grew up, my grandmother raised me and her only requirement was that I get a high school diploma, which she thought mm-hmm. she was born in 1895. She thought if you had a high school diploma, you were good to go. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, in 1965, that wasn't the case, but we didn't know. <laughs> so I got my high school diploma. And um, uh, when I, I thought I'd be in the military, I came home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got married and I was trying all kinds of jobs because the other requirement, the other thing she wanted from me was to get a good job, whatever that mm-hmm. means. Right. And yeah. I, I did. It seemed like uh, a lot of jobs. And I uh, finally realized I needed to go to college. And uh, I applied to every school, got rejected everywhere. But um, uh, eventually, uh, I was able to get into Wayne State University. And Mm -hmm. while at Wayne, uh, I just happened to stop by the Detroit Repertory Theater, and I saw a play. I'd never seen a professional play before. Mm -hmm. And I was so blown away by this play. I, I, I just... It was just beyond anything I could even dream for. But that set the stage. And that fall, I took an acting class. Mm -hmm. uh, And when I walked on stage, I knew that this was where I belonged. This was home. I knew it in my gut, in my heart. And um, and that's from then on. I've um, I've always uh, I've been acting and. And actually, from the once I took that class, I got cast in a play. And I've always been able to make my living as an actor uh, all these many years, 50 plus years, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. one way or the other. I found a way to, uh, yeah, I've never had to go and, you know, work another job doing something outside of, um, you know, I've had to hustle from time to time to, to make ends meet. But I've always uh, managed to, um, to provide for my family as an actor. Well, you know, I've had many uh, wonderful uh, guests on this show, some of which are your cast members, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I went to uh, IMDb, and uh, I've only got like four credits on IMDb. You've got (laughs) 250 credits on IMDb. So when you started to take those acting classes, it is real. Those classes have really paid off for you, my brother. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I was actually thinking about this this morning. You know, there's a story in the Bible about the bridesmaids who were waiting for the the groom to appear. And so I think it was, I don't know how many, 12, vaguely remembering the story, but some fell asleep and some didn't prepare, but there was this one who prepared. And so when he appeared, um, she was ready. And so I've always believed that Part of the faith is is preparing yourself um, for, you know, and I prepared myself for the long run. I wanted to be acting for the rest of my life. And I knew that um, you have to lay the foundation, even when it you don't know what's coming, but you're you're building this this foundation. So when that opportunity appears, you're prepared for it. Um, and uh, Wayne State was one of those. Um, schools where, you know, working people, you know, uh, came, but the training was the discipline of being in theater uh, was very, very uh, strong. So that foundation was laid. I did a lot of community theater, but I was determined that um, this was going to be my life and one way or the other. Um, and I didn't want to feel like I got lucky. Uh, in fact, I don't, <laughs> I feel I've been blessed, but I don't ever feel like I've been lucky. Uh, I had an instructor tell me early on that uh, 
that I wasn't um, so good looking that anybody was going to ever give me a job because <laughs> I was good looking. I wasn't so funny that somebody was going to give me a job because I was funny. And I wasn't so friendly that I'd ever get a job because <laughs> of my friends. So I better be prepared because it's the only way I was going to work in this business. And, uh, and I believed it. So uh, I've always believed in being prepared and ready for the opportunity. And the opportunity will come. Well, we're, we're uh, about a minute out from a, a break, and we're going to return with uh, Mr. Ernie Hudson in just a few short shakes and talk more about some of your favorite films that you've seen him in and maybe even TV shows that you've seen him in. But I just want to remind you before we go to break that uh, HarlemAmerica.com is the total Black experience in entertainment, empowerment, and health and wellness. And on our site, you can find What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander podcasts and on-demand TV shows. So we'll be right back right after this. Harlem America. It's about Harlem. Harlem is my town. Carver Bank, where 80% of every dollar is reinvested in the community. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint of heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. America, where Coca-Cola is helping you enjoy less sugar. You're listening to Harlem America, talking to the world from the heart and soul of New York. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Oh, thank you, Kevin Bernay. But hey, Kevin, you forgot to tell him that Harlem America is connecting Harlem with the Harlems of the world with enlightening and engaging articles for and about our culture, and you can find those articles on the website as well. We're here with, uh, who are you going to call? <laughs> Mr. Ernie Hudson. Ernie, tell me, the first Ghostbusters, how did you get that uh, role? Well, I did a, um, a movie the year before Ghostbusters called Space Hunter with Peter Strauss and Molly Ringwald. Ivan Whiteman was the executive producer of that movie, um, and uh, Harold Ramis was one of the writers. I met them there. Now, Ivan Reitman and Harold were the ones who produced um, Ghostbusters a year later. Um, and, uh, but when I, I first heard of the movie, I, I saw Ivan, who said there was nothing in the movie for me. So he really? was pretty convinced that I was totally wrong for the, uh, the movie because in Space Hunter, the character I play is sort of bigger than life. It takes place on another planet. My head was shaved. 
Um, and it was, it was just a totally different character than Winston Zedmore in Ghostbusters. So it took me quite a, about three months before I was able to even get an audition. But when I got the audition, I, I, I like to think that I just, you know, blew the room away. But even after that, they weren't convinced. And it took me several auditions to finally, um, land the part um really so yeah it was uh it was a uh, in fact by the time i got the role um i couldn't even celebrate i was so sick and tired of having <laughs> to go in <laughs> and fight for this role but um but eventually i i got the part and uh but it was uh it was having to overcome that uh that part in space center i think so uh now, uh, Ghostbusters, was it three now? I mean, you, you're in one and three, but there was Ghostbusters two uh, yeah. I mean, with, 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 with the women. Well, yeah, we did, uh, we did two. Um, the first Ghostbusters in 84, then we did the sequel in 89. And then in 2016, there was one with the Lady Ghostbusters, of which uh, we were in, I was in, uh, but we didn't play ourselves. We played different characters in that movie. Mm -hmm. um and i played leslie jones's uncle which made no sense to me but but i was <laughs> but i did and then um recently ghostbusters afterlife which just came out uh in 2022 2021 um and uh that's the one that's out now and uh i i think it's um jason reitman ivan reitman's son uh produced and directed this new movie and i think he did a great job and uh, in some ways, I feel vindicated Winston Zedmore, my character, um, who was sort of new to the team uh, in this new movie. I think we finally get some background on Winston and we finally get a sense of who this guy is. So I'm really excited about the new movie that just that came out. Well, that's great because I haven't had a chance to, <clears throat> excuse me, haven't had a chance to see it yet. And, and for those of us who, who plan to see it and haven't seen it yet, uh, tell us why we should see it. Well, um, if nothing else, you should see it because I'm in it. And, All right. <laughs> <laughs> and I will also say, if you do see it, um, stay to the very end of the credits. Like in the Marvel movies, there's a, a scene at the very end that I feel I'm really excited about it. Um, so definitely wait through the credits to see that scene, but it's, um, it's a really, uh, it ties into the first, um, two movies. I think it's a wonderful family movie. The amazing thing about Ghostbusters is that it bridges generations. So grandparents will see it with their little grandkids and everybody's laughing. There's something in, in that concept, that movie that, um, that people love. And it's, um, it's one of the few movies that crosses generation. I've done a lot of movies, uh, and there are periods like the crow is a time in life when it, it, uh, it appeals to a certain audience, but not the older, not the younger necessarily, but ghostbusters just really crosses generation. So, uh, and this new movie is really very, very good. Um, yeah, I think if you like the first ghostbusters or any of the ghostbusters, you'll love this movie. He did a great job. So now uh, you mentioned Marvel, okay? And uh, a lot of us are big Marvel fans. And uh, there was a time that you wanted to play T'Challa's uh, father. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm like, uh, I know uh, Louis Desposito, who's the um, executive producer of, of 
the Marvel movies and uh, one of the, um, I don't know if he's the president of Marvel, but, you know, uh, so I, I've known him a while and I keep saying, Lewis, find me a place. I want to be in the Marvel <laughs> universe, which hasn't happened. He says, we're, we're waiting for the right part. So I guess they're waiting for the right role. I'd love to be in that whole universe. And uh, I would have loved to have played um, uh, uh, Chadwick's um, dad in the movie, but it hasn't happened. I haven't been invited to come and play, but um, it's not because I haven't, uh, you know, wouldn't like to, and I haven't uh, been looking forward to it. So perhaps someday the right time, but I'm at a point in my life where I go, you know what? Um, if it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, no matter what, um, as uh, we used to say in church, I've run a good race and I'm, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> well, now see, now you bring up another point. Okay. Uh, you, you are actually the pinnacle of your uh, career. Uh, you are a little more mature now. And I would imagine, you know, folks are still coming at you because, you know, you, you're still a, a, a driving force in, in, the, in the, the film and television business. Uh, how do you, I mean, how do you feel about, uh, you know, these young uh, filmmakers uh, uh, coming to you because probably in their mind they've written a script with you in mind and 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 they they think that wow I'm gonna be a multimillionaire because this movie's gonna do three hundred million dollars because I've got Ernie Hudson. Yeah. Well, I think it's uh, first of all, let me say I'm so proud of these young filmmakers, especially young African American filmmakers who totally changed the game. They're doing things that. When I came into the business and for years after, we never even thought it was possible. I mean, they're producing, they're starring, they're doing uh, this whole move toward diversity. It's a wonderful thing and I'm really excited about it. Um, and so a lot of times young filmmakers will ask me to play a role in their film for whatever reason. And, and a lot of times I say no, because honestly, I'm not really interested in working just for the sake of working. I want my chance. I've done a lot of movies, but I want to be the star. You know, at my side, my age, people go, really? I'm like, yeah, I want to be the star. I want to be the guy that is the center of the movie that the movie's about. Because that's when I have to work. And I, I like working. I don't want to just show up to be showing up. I've done enough of that. Um, you know, being doing a cameo in somebody else's world. Um, so that's what I look forward to. So to me, there's always been uh, the reason for doing movie is it's an amazing role, like uh, Jamie Foxx doing Ray. That was a that was a yeah. lifetime role. Yeah. So is either a wonderful role or I'm working with people I so admire, like I, I do uh, Grace and Frankie with Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin. These are people that I admire. So it's wonderful people or they're paying me so much money. I can't say no. <laughs> and so for a lot of these films they're not paying me the money it's not necessarily people who i know and the role isn't very good so uh but i i, I do want to say to young filmmakers especially young black filmmakers my saying no is in no way a uh, reflection of or of my respect or disrespect for them it's just that there has to be a reason for me to to want to go to work um because um yeah because i'm, I'm at a certain age now uh, I'm in a good place and I just soon be home uh, unless it's a challenge. It has to be a, it has to be a challenge to the work. That's when uh, the, the creativity, that's when you can discover that, that special 
place, the reason there, there has to be a, uh, yeah, you, we all look for that, that mm-hmm. space. So that's what we're always looking for. Right. And, uh, yeah, so I, I yeah, so that's, that's kind of how I feel. I don't want to work just to work and I don't need to work just to work. So how did you, 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 you mentioned, um, with Frankie and Grace or Grace and Frankie is yes, Frankie, Grace and Frankie. Frankie. Grace, Grace and Frankie. And Frankie. Yeah. So, so now what was it like getting the call for, Hey, you know, we want you to be the love interest for Lily Tomlin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what went through your mind and what was like the first day? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I've been, I started um, acting in 1966. Um, so I've been around a while and I've worked with a lot of really good people. That's one thing in my career. I mean, I, I, at the, I was blessed to work with Betty Davis. Uh, wow. I, you know, I, I've worked with Lawrence Olivier, I, people down. who I admired. I've been, uh-huh. I've been around. And, and Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, these are people who I've always, I mean, they were stars when I was starting out. They've been around a long time. So the opportunity to work with them, the first call I got was to be Jane Fonda's love interest, which I mm-hmm. thought, oh, that'd be kind of interesting. And then and they said, no, we think Lily Tomlin. Um, and I didn't, I had met Lily Tomlin and I didn't really know her. So I didn't know how that, but you know, the ego, um, Mm -hmm. because it's hard for me to even see myself as a senior citizen. I mean, honestly, (laughs) I I have to stretch to go senior citizen. I'm not there. So when they said Lily Tomlin's boyfriend, I'm like, Lily Tomlin, because you mean (laughs) Lily Tomlin's daughter's boyfriend, because I'm, I'm not. Of course, there's not that much difference in our ages. I realized mm-hmm. that. And Lily's amazing. And it's been so much fun to work with. But like I said, my uh, I'm still trying to um, um, see myself, I'm sure, the way other people see me. Because I'm still thinking, you know, uh, yeah, that I'm, uh, I'm of an age that I'm, I'm probably really not, you know. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll, I'll, I'll try to jump over something, and I and my feet barely leave the ground. I kind of go, oh "My God!" I thought, you know, uh, start running, and suddenly I'm out of wind so fast, and I go, "How's that happen?" <laughs> well, see now, I can identify with that too because uh, you know, I, I I really honestly think of myself as 45 years old. Okay? Yeah, yeah. And, and 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 I can't fathom. Uh, myself being considered to be a senior citizen you know it took me a long time before i even went and got a bus pass a senior citizen <laughs> bus pass for half fare <laughs> but the fare kept going up to 250 dollars and 50 cents i right. said wait a minute i better go get this but it t- and so so then w- once i accepted the fact then I would go into a place like Wendy's and ask for the the the, the special for the senior citizen special right. or someplace. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and you don't know how it happens. It's like I remember starting out in acting, and I was a young guy on the set. Mm-hmm. You know, I was always just the kid, and then suddenly I'm this I'm the senior guy, and I go, <laughs> "When did that happen? Nobody told me." I, I'm, uh, but I, you know, I and when when I. I just did a movie uh, recently with uh, Nicolas Cage. It was one of those action movies, and we had a bunch of fight scenes. And uh, and they're always like, uh, "Ernie, is it okay? Can you do this?" I'm like, "Do what?" I mean, all, all I have to do is run, and you know, and of course I can do it. But in people's mind, they see your age, they think, yeah. "Oh, we, you know, it's it's not possible." They always sort of 
um, you know, reaching a hand out to help me get up or something. <laughs> so, but uh, which I, I'm, I'm thankful on one hand, but uh, I'm not there yet. I'm certainly not there in my mind. I don't know if we ever reach that point in our minds where we uh, accept that. Uh, but I'm certainly definitely not there right now. You know. Well, you certainly seem fit, and I see a lot of pictures where you're wearing your your T-shirt to show your physique and everything. So, so you don't have a, an elder gentleman's physique yet. So, you know, and well, and, and, you know, but you see it in your friends. I mean, I see it in my friends, and I yeah. kind of go, "Oh my God!" You know, that uh, especially when you haven't seen him in a while. And, um, you know, and at at my age now, you know, I see people on dialysis and yeah. friends who. I mean, it's. And health is so important, and uh, I feel so thankful to um, to have never abused uh, my body in a way that some friends did and thought they got away with it, and now mm-hmm. it comes back to haunt them. So yeah. I say to young people, just uh, you don't have to do a lot. Don't be extreme, but just don't do the dumb stuff because you'll end up paying a price for that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, now let's get to one of my <clears throat> favorite shows. Uh, and it's called the family business. And, <laughs> and, and, and I mean, that is a great show. I love the, the I love the intro music coming in. I, I love the music during the show. I love your, your character. I love I, I love the other the other cast members. And as you know, I've had uh, your, the woman that plays your wife, Valerie. Pepper, yeah, Valerie. Yeah, I, I've, I've had uh, the gentleman who plays your son. I've had a Darren DeWitt. Uh, yeah. Henson on, and and I've had uh, your your shyster attorney. I've had uh, Miguel <laughs> Nunez on. Yeah. So uh, so you know. So I'm really into the family business. We've got about uh, four minutes. Tell 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 the folks that have not had a chance to to check out the family business on BET. Uh, you're an executive producer. Tell them what what it's about. Yeah, family business. Really, for me, the reason I wanted to do it. Uh, Carl Weber is an amazing writer. If you don't, I'm familiar with his books. Uh, he has a whole series of books called The Family Business. Um, other books as well. He's a big publisher, and but he's a great writer. And he created this series uh, and asked me to be a part of it. And I'm one of the executive producers because I'm sure I was helpful in terms of getting it on TV. But uh, it's about family, and it's about this family that. Um, has the largest exotic car dealership in the country, but of course they have this this underground underworld business that goes on as well and surviving. And this comp this family that um, they're all invested and uh, it's about their survival. But it really at the heart of it to me is about family because for a lot of the black shows, African American shows, they they miss the humanity. I see these shows and they're so brutal and and. And we, we forget humanity is so important. There's a reason um, that it has to motivate us. And this show, the heart of it is a family. And, uh, and that's, to me, that's what makes the show special and different from a lot of shows. And it's, um, <clears throat> it's a, a family that's got wealth and got power. Yes. And, uh, and, and, and you've aligned yourself with other families to, to, to amplify the power that you have. And then sometimes it seems like the, the, the whole world's coming after you, you know, yeah. and, and, and you guys, uh, you, you and your family, your sons, your wife, uh, you know, aren't afraid to pick up uh, whatever you, the weapons, whatever you need. I, even your wife, even Valerie has, <laughs> has, has had, to uh, 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 be in several gunfights, you know. Oh and, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. 
is, is yeah, no, it's about it's about protect. It's one thing to get it; it's another thing to protect what you have. Um, and um, you know, family first. And uh, and I love and Valerie's wonderful. Um, it's it's just a great cast, and and who feel like family. Uh, but like I said, I love the fact that the heart of it is about people. We don't see a lot of loving, you know, uh, that motivates us. We see a lot of hate. We see a lot of, but this is a, a show about a family that is committed, loyal to each other and determined to get the American dream any way possible. And unfortunately, in this American dream, a lot of us feel that we have to do things that uh, we shouldn't have to do but if we have to go there we're willing to go there oh yes well i, I want to tell you that um, they all speak very highly of you and 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 i just could not wait to get you on this show <laughs> uh we'll be right back uh, in a moment or two i uh, just want to remind you that uh, why not if you're a business person if you're a small business person black business owner why not let harlem america help you build fame fortune and followers around your brand. Okay. Now you ought to check out Will Roundtree. Will Roundtree has his new talk show on Harlem America. It's called full-time CEO, the S H I T. They won't tell you. So check out that, that show on Harlem America digital network. And we'll be right back with uh, one of my favorite actors, Mr. Ernie Hudson. The home of Glasso Smart Water is Harlem America. Harlem America, the home of Coca-Cola Zero. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something that you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint at heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480 741 today. You're listening to Harlem America. I love it a lot. For entertainment. Check it out. Check it out. Empowerment and health and wellness. Harlem America. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Okay, we're back here, and uh, we're with uh, Mr. Ernie Hudson, who has in his career, worked on three shows at one time in two different countries. Tell us about that, Ernie. The, um, um, okay, uh, I'm not sure what show. Okay, <laughs> you worked in Mexico and then uh, on, on Graves, I think it is. And, and well, Graves, then, that's right, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, and, and then you'd fly into the United States uh, to L.A. and you worked another show, and then you'd go to uh, Chicago uh, to do the other show. 
yeah, you know, my career, I've, I've, well, I've done a lot of that. Uh, I remember working, uh, doing a movie called Mr. Magoo while shooting the series Oz in New York. And I would work all day in Vancouver, fly all night, <laughs> get up the next morning, go right to the set of Oz. Um, I, it, there's been a lot of things where, yeah, you've had to, um, you know, you go, I was just uh, shot during the pandemic. I shot a movie. Uh, in um, in the Cayman Islands with Nicolas Cage. Mm. And also, I was shooting a movie in Canada mm. um, with uh, Woody Harrelson called Champions. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, you know, that's part of the process. We, we work where we need to. I've been blessed to work and I've shot uh, several movies in Australia, um, shot in uh, Africa, um, in Europe, um, that's uh, to me. That's that's a blessing. But you go where the work is, and that's right. And uh, and it's a blessing to be able to do that. Of course, things in the last couple of years have changed, um, and working in other countries, which I've done, mm -hmm. um, but can be a challenge, especially now with um, being tested and all that. But um, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, we still, uh, you know, I, 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 you go where the work is. You know, and so um, the. The Ghostbusters, uh, what do you call it? Uh, th this would be the, the, the Ghostbusters 38th anniversary fan fest. Oh, the, um, yeah, I, I think I think. Well, we had one about a year or so ago, so I'm not uh -huh. sure. Um, but we're somewhere in there, getting close to 40 years. Um, What's it like going to these fan fests? Uh, we know what I love about the uh, different uh, fan fest conventions is this is a place that's set aside just for being able to meet the fans who love the movies that you do and the TV shows or whatever. And uh, it's set aside for that. So it's two or three days of people coming to meet you, to be able to have a conversation, to get autographs or photos or whatever. Uh, now, this is pre-pandemic. Mm -hmm. Since the pandemic, it's uh, honestly, I, I haven't been able to do them and mm -hmm. just a little bit afraid to do them, even though they still go on. I still get asked to uh, to do them. But uh, it's pretty extraordinary. And you see people. Uh, I remember uh, seeing Mickey Rooney, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people who's ever worked. Uh, they could, they'd be at these shows and fans can go and have one on one time with them. So it's very, very special. but. Like I said, with this um, current pandemic, it's just a lot of that has been put on hold. Why did they cancel LA's Finest? Uh, you know, I'm not I sure. enjoyed that show. <laughs> well, I love, once again, working with great people, Gabrielle Union, uh, Jessica Alba, um, who I, I, I just adore, and uh, being able to play Gab Gabrielle's dad. Um, I love working on the show. Sometimes the show is not around long enough to, you know, to get legs or find that audience. Studios make strange choices. Um, who knows? You know, we, uh, I never know why. I've never had the a good fortune of being on a show that's lasted for a long time. My friends have been on shows for 15 years. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I've never had one that last more than 10 or 15 episodes. Uh, but it's, um, yeah, why they get picked up or don't get picked up, it's it's kind of a mystery. Uh, I'd love to have that experience. One wonderful thing about working on series is you you get a chance to go to work and you've got a steady paycheck. 
a West right. film, you work for a few weeks or months and then it's over and then you're back to being unemployed. Um, but um, yeah, it's just a different way of working, but um, I'm not sure. You know, series I thought would last um, didn't, didn't go. And who knows? You know, speaking of that, uh, whenever I do voiceovers, I always tell people, doggone it, I just talked myself out of a job. Because uh, I, I did the voiceover for whatever at the time they had me in the studio, and then there's no more. You got to wait till the next gig comes, you know. So you yeah. talk you talk yourself out of the gig. Uh, yeah. The other thing is, um, what are some of the sacrifices uh, or regrets you may have? Sacrifices or regrets that you may have uh, in your career, uh, but ne you needed to at the time, make these decisions in order to become the Ernie Hudson that you are now? Yeah, I don't know uh, sacrifices um, or even regrets. I like to not think of those. It's sometimes, um, you know, we, we make choices based on what we, we have. You know, I, I remember, uh, and I'm not quite sure if this is what you're talking about, but uh, Grey's Anatomy, um, uh, uh, Shonda Rhimes wanted me to come in and read for um, her. And mm. I had recently done a series for ABC uh, and I felt they know my work. They can look at what's there. So I, I didn't go in. And in the meantime, um, um, uh, Bill Pickens, who uh, ended up getting the role, uh, has been on that show now for about 15 years, <laughs> making a fortune. <laughs> so, you know, I regret I didn't go in and read and uh, and, and fight for that role, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, you never know for sure what's going to go um, and what doesn't. Family, uh, family, well, it's not family business. Um, uh, the one that Urkel was on. Um, Oh, family, was it family, was family, it family, family, uh, family, family matters, family, something. yeah, something. Yeah. yeah but I, uh, I just, no, I'm not. Um, and then the show ends up being very successful. And you think about, you don't regret not doing it, but you think about the money you could have made. <laughs> of course, had you, had I been on it, it might not have been so successful. So, but overall you look at, um, you, you're thankful and there's no way of knowing, you know, it's just, um, so I don't really, I don't think there's anything I regret. Um, I sometimes think if I approach my career from the standpoint of only working the projects that really mattered, but I was a single dad for a, a, a long time and, uh, I had to work. So jobs had come up that, um, I didn't feel I had the option to, to say, no, you know, you take what you have and do the best you can with. And, um, yeah. And, um, and sometimes you're doing some stupid project and somebody, a good project comes up and they want you, but you're already tied up to do this. So there's no way of telling. You just have to uh, pray and hope that uh, whatever decision you make is the right decision. And, um, and I look back over the 50 plus years that I've been doing this and I go, you know what? Uh, I've been very, very blessed and uh, not quite what I imagined. I don't have that wall of Academy Awards there, but uh, but I'm good, you know. I'm, I'm uh, and my fans have been very uh, just uh, amazingly kind, and uh, and I'm so appreciative of that. Who are some of the um, the actors that you've not worked with yet, and you'd like to work with? 
Yeah, you know, there's so many. I would have loved to have worked with Chadwick Boseman. We talked about earlier, um, um, but um, it's there's so many, you know, good people. Meryl Streep, like I said, we went to college together. I would love to have had the opportunity to work with her, but it's just, um, it's just, you know, it's just any good actors who, um, yeah, I, 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 you know, there's uh, no one. Um, Denzel and I, we did a television series together back St. Elsewhere back in the day. But mm, that's right. Um, but I would love to. Uh, I don't think Sam Jackson and I have worked together. But uh, there's so many good people out there that uh, it would. I'd love to uh, get. A, you know, it's for me acting is like getting a chance to play with. Um, and uh, but I'm still um, uh, Brian Cox, who does Secession. We did a movie together. Uh, a few months back and um, whenever you're working with people who uh, people who are good at what they do, who have the skills or chops, as we say, mm -hmm. um, you don't have to, um, you know, you don't have to look out for them. They can hold their own. So we can come and bring your best and everybody and we dance. And when you're working with people who are insecure or who aren't well-trained or just aren't competent, whatever, then I have to, or I feel like I need to slow down a little bit, make sure they're okay. They don't get intimidated or they don't whatever. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm, I'm dedicated to the project and whatever it takes to make that project. And sometimes it, it means looking out for the other person, but it's nice to be able to put all that on hold and just show up and dance. And that's what I love about doing Grace and Frankie. I don't have to um, worry about anybody else, you know, um, some of the new shows, people come unprepared. I, I don't understand. It's a whole other way of, of working. I'm, I didn't, you know, I wasn't trained that way, so I don't understand that. But it is what it is. What would you? Uh, what what type of advice would you give to um, young people who would like to uh, attain the level that you've attained? Uh, what What would you tell them? Well, you know, like I said, I think uh, when I've decided, when I've discovered theater and I just, you know, my prayer was, God, just give me the chance. If you bless me to be able to do this, I, I will honor it. I will, you know, I, I'm, I will show up on time. I'll be prepared. I will, you know, I just want the opportunity. And I believe um, that you prepare for the long haul. But I do believe that opportunity comes when it, it meets preparation. Whatever it is you want to do, if you want to be president someday, then then start preparing for it now, setting the table for that to come. You can't wait for an opportunity to come and then start trying to figure it out. You want to be a big businessman, study business. You know, you don't go from no place to someplace instantly. So I see a lot of people who say, I want to be this, I want to be an actor, I want to be a musician, but they haven't done the preparation. So you show the universe your readiness by preparing, by doing the work. And the universe has always been faithful. Um, and a lot of times the opportunity, uh, people who I did favors for, people I've gone on my way for, who I thought would then provide an opportunity for me, they haven't been there. Mm. But the universe provides in ways that you can't even imagine from people who you don't even know is, uh, is there for you. So I always say, just do the, if you are clear on what you want, get prepared. Get prepared. That's stepping out on faith. That's 
just letting the universe know that you're ready for something. Um, and just trust that uh, if you do your job, God or the universe or whatever you want to call that unknown will do its job. So be it. We're uh, getting ready to wrap up, but I, I just want to tell you, Ernie, that um, my faith and belief is that God's universe is conspiring in my favor and that the best is yet to come. Absolutely. Always. And all you can do is get in the way of yourself. <laughs> so my mother, my grandmother would say, uh, don't worry about being brilliant or the genius. Just don't do the dumb stuff. <laughs> so, so just don't be stupid. Just let, the universe, be stupid. let God do what, you know, it, it's conspiring for your behalf. It's always working out for you unless you just, you know, stumble over yourself. Yes. So just, just, you know. Well, those are wise words, Ernie. And uh, unfortunately, we've got to end our wonderful conversation. I've wanted to talk to you for many, many years. Uh, and I want to thank you for coming to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. And I want to remind folks that uh, you can check out the family business, binge on it like I did uh, all three seasons. And then what, what other show would you like for them to see? Grace and Frankie? Grace and Frankie is, is uh, there, but uh, yeah, the family business, we're going into production for the fourth season. So that's still, uh, still running. And um, yeah, I, you know, there's uh, just Google Ernie Hudson and there's a lot of stuff out there and oh, uh, yes. films yes. in the can waiting to come out. And um, yeah, I, you know, yeah. Well, okay, Ernie, thank you so much. You can find out more about Ernie if you Google him, but you can also go to What's Hot Harlem America and to his page. Uh, his page will be up in about an hour or so, and you'll be able to, to even maybe see some of his uh, his video reel that uh, may, have, may be up there as well. So thank you so very much. Hope you enjoyed our special guest today on What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. We want to thank you for listening. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And also follow Ernie on uh, Facebook and, and, and Twitter and LinkedIn. And uh, you can also catch us on Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, Android TV. And uh, we love you. We'll see you next week. Have a great day and a better one tomorrow. Thank you, Ernie. and. Folks, we'll see you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. We'll be back next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. in New York on the Voice America Variety Channel and the Harlem America Digital Network. Thank you for listening. Oh, oh, oh.